Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool, for all things tax, trust, pensions, and much, much more. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my fellow director, Claire Trott. Thank you for joining us today, Claire. How are you? I'm good, Eddie. Thanks. Yourself? Yes. Brilliant. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, so last week was the budget. Last week, the Chancellor stood up with his uh, four E's and uh, talked about increasing employment, education, enterprise and everywhere. And, uh, and then during uh, his speech, he then said one or two things about pensions. So I thought it would be really good to catch up with you and just ask, what did he say about pensions, Claire? Well, he said quite a lot about pensions. And then there was even more detail when we actually got the paperwork after he sat down. Um, so shall I just go through the headlines to start with? So we'll look at the annual allowance, which is the amount that you can contribute tax efficiently uh, each tax year. So that is currently set this year to 40000 um, And that's actually going up to 60000 at the turn of the tax year. That then has a knock-on effect to the other types of annual allowance. So the tapered annual allowance, which currently tapers from 40,000 down to 4,000 for high earners, um, is going to taper from 60,000 down to 10,000. Um, and we'll talk about the, the numbers surrounding that later. The, the other issue is the money purchase annual allowance, which is for those people who have flexibly accessed income from their money purchase schemes or defined contribution schemes, depending on how you want to refer to them. And that is currently at 4,000 this year. Um, and then that will um, increase to 10,000 next year. Um, and that will be the, the minimum. So we'll all know that we are to contribute at least 10,000 going forward. That's one side of things. And th but then we're looking at um, the lifetime allowance, so the total amount of tax efficient savings you can make into a pension over your whole lifetime. Uh, and that is currently set this year to 1.0731 million as the standard lifetime allowance. But there's lots of variations around that, depending on how much people have saved in the past protections they've applied for benefits they had pre 2006 and different things like that. But what they're proposing and what the ch Chancellor said was in the next tax year, any charges, if you access benefits over and above that, will be waived. So no charges, lifetime allowance charges will apply in the next tax year. And in the tax year after that, we'll be looking at abolishing the lifetime allowance in its entirety to taking it out of primary legislation, for example. So people won't have to worry about the lifetime allowance at all going forward. So they were the, really the, the main headlines. And there was a few periphery things as well regarding things like the NHS um, as well, which um, are, are more niche. And um, just thinking about the questions that we've been getting, um, I think the very first question that, that uh, people really want to know is, will these proposals actually be implemented? Because it has to pass the legislation. And if implemented, could the next government reverse them? OK, so there are a couple of stages to this. So the first stage, as we understand it, will be to remove those tax charges. So that actually should be a relatively easy piece of legislation. And actually, I think you know it, it's going to be the first one that we'll see. Um, and although it has to go through Parliament and it's likely 
that the, the concept as a whole will be challenged. We understand there may be a vote um, in Parliament after the, the budget is discussed. Uh, we still think it will probably happen. But they say it goes through the stages uh, and that's the first piece of legislation. The next piece of legislation is there to remove the lifetime allowance in its entirety. Uh, and that's actually probably going to be a much bigger piece of legislation, much harder. If anyone has looked at the legislation from 2004 when um, pension simplification was brought in, it's not simple. It's really complicated. There are many, many references in there to the lifetime allowance. So whether we keep a notional one or not is, is a question as well. But once that's been put through and gone through Parliament and, and the House of Lords and everything, then in theory, actually, to take it back a stage and try and put the lifetime allowance back in means rewriting all that legislation again. Um, and for and again, anyone who was around 2004, it still took years to get that legislation in place, get it through Parliament, get it done. And actually all the multiple updates that we've had since then um, to, to get it to work with all the different changes. So if it was to try and be reversed, I don't think it's as simple as flicking a switch and going straight back. I think it would still take time, a lot of effort, a fair amount of cost um, to write that legislation um, and get it right. Um, and likely protections put in place for all those people who've done something in the meantime to protect them from uh, charges that would apply because they've acted on legislation that was in force. So I think there's you know, things to be nervous about. But actually, I think you know, this is still if it starts to go through, um, it, it will be a long term thing that we'll have to deal with. And it will be another big change and protections should it be reversed at the end of the day. And I, just coming back to the questions we, we're being asked at the moment, I suppose the first one is we're coming to the end of the tax year. Um, so clients are asking their, their financial planners, uh, should I be making a contribution this year? Uh, what, what do you think um, people should be thinking about when asked that question? Well, I think it's the reason is, why aren't you making contributions this year? If you're doing them already, then, you know, continue as you are. There's nothing to stop any changes that any advice you've already given. Continue with that. There's nothing that's going to stop that. But if you weren't contributing for certain reasons, such that you're over the lifetime allowance already and you've got protections in place, then don't contribute this year. Uh, we've been told and it's been uh, released that you'll be, be able to keep the protections for tax-free cash purposes if you contribute after the 6th of April 2023. So if you were to make a contribution today, which might feel like the right thing actually to do, but if you were to make a contribution today, then you will lose that protection. And that could be a significant amount. Take, for example, if you had fixed protection, the original fixed protection from 2012, you could have tax-free cash of 450,000. You make a contribution today of, say, 4000 or whatever, and what you're going to do is you're going to drop that tax-free cash all the way down to the 268, 275. That's a lot of tax-free money that you will lose by actually making a contribution too soon. Plus, we've not seen any legislation yet. So <laughs> we really need to be sure that these things are coming, that they are as we expected them to be. It's not unusual that there are headlines in budgets when the detail comes out. It doesn't quite work how we expect it to. Uh, so we need to see the information. We need to see the detail before we actually act on anything, uh, because what we don't want to do is, is make a mistake based on, in essence, hearsay um, and, uh, and, then, and then cause tax charges. 
So let's assume the the legislation passes as we think it's going to pass in terms of the rules. Um, so looking forward to next tax year, um, what do you think people should be doing and how how they should be uh, considering this opportunity from uh, additional contributions that they're not making any at the moment? Well, we should all be reviewing what we're doing at the beginning of any tax year anyway. So this is just another thing to add to the list of things that we need to do to consider. So if you were contributing to the full amounts anyway, could I do more next year? Have I got scope to make further contributions? Will my employer make further contributions? Do remember that you've always got to have earnings to support personal contributions. So even though the annual allowance might have gone up, if you only earn 30,000 and you're doing it personally, you're still only going to be able to put 30,000 in. So you just need to remember all the other rules, not just the headlines. If we're looking at starting contributions, then do consider what's going to be the appropriate amount to be paying in. Am I going to be subject to the tapered annual allowance? So let's dig into that a little bit more. So the tapered annual allowance has two tests. It has the threshold test, which is staying the same at 200,000. But the adjusted income test is going up to 260,000 because the annual allowance is 60,000. We see the difference between the two. So what it's like to do, it's going to push it out so that people can actually, who are impacted by taper, might be able to pay more. So if historically you've been impacted by the tapered annual allowance, you might not be restricted as much as you were. Uh, and you won't be restricted even if you were fully tapered as much because you would, would have been restricted to four and you'll now be restricted to ten. The taper itself is also longer because we've got, we're tapering out 50,000 instead of 30,000. So we're going from... 60,000 down to 10, um, then we've got that long taper. So again, looking at those figures, recalculating, trying to estimate what can be paid um, and, and starting collecting that information as you go, because a lot of people with taper issues can't make a contribution really until the end of the tax year. But that doesn't mean leaving it till the end of the tax year to work out where we're heading. We know we can do 10 work out what that extra is later uh, on, but make sure you're monitoring it and keeping an eye on those the money coming in if it's from different sources uh, and start to plan as soon as you possibly can. Uh, and those people who were hit by the, the money purchase annual allowance, that's actually relatively easy, was for, going to be 10. There's no calculations to be done. Do remember there's no carry forward in the money purchase annual allowance, but you can go straight up to 10 um, and, and everything should be fine and be able to pay that in throughout the tax year. And um, so the Chancellor said that uh, he was making the lifetime allowance changes for doctors. Um, he quoted a, a, a number of doctors that he thought would benefit from this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you um, whether you think that number is, is right or wrong in terms of doctors staying in the NHS. Um, is there anything that, that if, if I was dealing as a financial planner, if I was dealing with doctors, is there anything I should be thinking about or, um, or alternately, um, when, when we're looking at these changes, I know once before that they limited the changes to, to judges in a previous scenario. Is there anything that you think actually as it goes through legislation, it might, might end up just being for doctors because that's what the, the focus was supposed to be for? It is a risk and it is something that I did wonder before he stood up and started talking about this because we do have history with doctors. We do have history that pensions legislation has been different from them for them in the past. 
So pre-2006, they were the only people who could have personal pensions and occupational pensions at the same time. So there's precedent for there being different rules for doctors. The NHS scheme this year is very much in turmoil. Um, so it's a really difficult thing. If you're talking to doctors, you're having conversations with doctors, then just be mindful of the fact that they're in a process at the moment dealing with the McLeod judgment, which is going to recalculate pension input amounts for the last seven years. You've got no lifetime allowance, so you'll have doctors opting back in who have previously opted out. Whether that was the right thing to do or not is another matter. And actually, they'll probably retrospectively be thinking, should I have done that, especially with these changes for the last seven years as well? Um, we're also seeing that obviously with the annual allowance going up, then doctors are likely to be less hit by charges. So it might encourage them to stay in. There's more flexibility because most doctors uh, most people in the NHS are in at least two parts of the NHS scheme and they've been given the option for of a negative offset, which basically means when you look at the pension input amount in one scheme and it's negative and you have a pension input amount in the other scheme that's positive, you can offset one against the other within the same tax year. It's not going to be a game changer, that one particularly, um, unless you have somebody who has a below inflation increase in the uh, so the 1995 and the 2008 scheme final salary so you know that you might see a negative uh, increase there uh, you're not likely to see a negative increase in the 2015 scheme but it, it could help offset it so there is a lot going on um, and I think for me a lot of this is hold fire don't panic don't get too um, into the detail just yet let it play out let us get those details uh, when the McLeod stuff starts flowing through in October uh, and, and hopefully uh, we will start to everything will start to become a little clearer. But the comfort there is, although if, even if people are getting annual allowance charges, they're not going to get lifetime allowance ones as well. And we always say if you get hit by one, it's not so bad. It should be vet, basically tax neutral. If you were hit by both, then you could be in a negative. And now with the lifetime allowance going away, then they should only ever, if anything, be hit by an annual allowance charge which will be less because the annual allowance is going up. And um, one of the, 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 the big attractions of pensions has been the inheritance tax uh, benefits of, of pension funds. Um, he didn't announce, as far as I can see, he didn't announce any restrictions to, to the IHT benefit, but, but there was a cap on tax-free cash, wasn't there? Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, nothing came up regarding death benefits, changes to death benefits necessarily, apart from obviously not being tested against the lifetime allowance in the following year. So in the next year, there is actually a slight change if you take excess over and above the what is in essence a notional uh, lifetime allowance within the 23-24 tax year. That will actually be taxed at your marginal rate of income rather than being taxed at the flat rate of 55 over and above the LTA. So there's there's some there's some bits around the edges on death benefits. So regarding tax-free cash, yes, we're looking at that being limited to 25% of the 1.0731 million, which is the current standard lifetime allowance. But people with protections, such as fixed protection, enhanced protection, for example, will be able to keep their protections and that notional lifetime allowance to be able to protect the tax-free cash available under that. So should that be 25% of 1.8 million or 1.5 or the 1.25, depending on the protections? Nothing's been said against, about primary protection or uh, individual protection, but we suspect they will work the same 
And the only reason the others were mentioned is due to the fact that you'll be able to start contributing again and not lose them in the next tax year. So that wouldn't apply to individual or primary because you can contribute anyway. And um, just coming back, thinking about questions we've been asked, um, there's been a number of uh, uh, advisors where clients have taken benefits and paid the charge recently, uh, or, or, or obviously clients have died. Um, they're obviously going to pick up the old rules. Is that is that right? Or the current rules? So those that have already paid charges, unfortunately, there isn't anything that can be done. Um, those who hit the age 75 test this side of the tax year, again, there isn't anything that can be done. The death benefits one is interesting because it's all about timing um, and reporting and designation into the different schemes. So if you actually the, the amount of lifetime allowance you've got left is determined at the date of death. So in essence, it's deemed to be happening on the date of death. But the actual benefit crystallization event that causes the tax charge is on the date it's designated. So in the case of a um, lump sum death benefit is the date it's paid. And in the case of a flexi access drawdown benefit, for example, it's the date it's designated into the beneficiary's name. So there could be some scope there to actually push those out into the following tax year. And therefore, although they'll be tested, there wouldn't be a charge because they're in the following tax year. Uh, we do wait for that to be clarified. That's how it technically is done and tested. But we wait for that to be clarified again with legislation uh, because it could be something that they change or they, they try and tidy up to make sure that people aren't doing things like that to try and push it into the following tax year. But there will be people who are inadvertently caught and there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. And do be very careful here if you have someone coming up to the two year rule um, with the death benefits um, and, and pushing that out into beyond the two years will actually cause the rest of the benefits that are, are designated at the same point to be taxed as income. Whereas you've got a choice, could pay a lifetime allowance charge and have the rest of the benefits tax free. So it, it's definitely worth thinking around um, what's going on, what are the implications of any action that you take in relation to the 6th of April. Um, it's going to be one of those big, hard and fast dates in the sand. Um, and 2023 is going to be a very memorable year for pensions. Thank you. Um, and just uh, as we do at, at the end of uh, every podcast, we always like to leave people with uh, a couple of hints and tips and maybe three great ideas or actions that they can they can take. So uh, do you have um, a couple of pointers for people uh, as we sort of get to grips with these changes? Definitely. It's make sure you've assessed and worked out what your client has. It's really important to understand what you've got now, what protections are in place um, um, and what tax-free cash might be available, what they've done in the past and understand all of that. So when we get to the 6th of April, if things need to be done, if things need to be changed, if extra contributions can be made, you're ready to go ahead and do that. Um, have a good read around the nuances as well of the different things. Um, so make sure you're fully understanding taper and whether or not that your, some of your clients might be pulled out of taper um, and therefore you can increase those contributions. But always be mindful with taper that the end of the year is bonus bonus time. I've already seen one this morning where somebody got a bigger bonus than they thought they were going to get and is now going to get a tax charge. Um, if they'd waited a little bit longer, then they could have avoided that. Um, so, so don't go rushing in. Make sure you assess what you've got, assess what the changes mean and take action accordingly 
when we've seen the detail. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today, uh, Claire, and, and sharing your, your insights. Uh, really, really helpful and, and appreciate uh, uh, your time uh, today. Thank you. Thank you. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.